WNBC. We always Fuck start it. The... We're doing live. Yes, Howard Stern and Bill. We're doing live. <laughs> We're doing it live with Christy Lowry. Every time I think yeah. of your last name, I think of uh, Bad, Bad Boys. Boys. Yes, Mike Lowry. I've considered. It's like if I have a kid and it's a boy, should I should I do that to him? Name a Mike? Or will anyone? That. Will that be like a classic movie by the time right. my kid is like old? <laughs> Isn't it already? Bay I guess. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. So, but uh, I mean, it's yeah. a sort of a classic. Anyway, we were just saying off camera that this is the first time we've like spoken face to face and everything. I remember when we were out pitching our show, The Revenger. Where were you at? We were pitching somebody. And you were I, working there, and we were going to stop by, but we just got too busy with shit. I was probably at Shades of Blue. Did you guys, were you, I was at Universal, so I'm getting, I remember yeah. there was some sort of, I was in the UCP building or something, yep. we were trying to, like, make it, it happen. So this was probably five or six years ago. Yeah, then. I know. Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and time wow. flies. I have a seven-year-old now. He was probably, like, one um, then. Oh, my goodness. Um, of course, that didn't go well. You've done pretty well in TV. Yeah. What are you on now, like, your fourth, fifth? <gasps> series you um on? i am on my it's like six seasons but shows one two three four i'm on my fifth show if you don't count a mini room which i don't count because no one's pretty solid no, i don't i don't think anyone will say yeah i know it's you know it's one of those gigs where i mean like everyone said it's a marathon you know you you spend all your time trying to like get through the door and then once you like they let you in it's a little tough at the lower levels because that's where everyone seems to be like bottlenecked in terms of like staff writers and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But once I kind of got over that hump, it seems to be going a little smoother for me, which I appreciate <laughs> for my sanity. Yeah, I mean, it feels like one of those things like the more success you have, the easier it gets as with pretty yeah. much anything in this industry. Yeah. Not easy, but easier. Yeah, definitely people. I mean, the, the business is a little bit of resume snobs in the sense. So I think just seeing like, oh, other people hired her. She can't be crazy or terrible right. uh, is like the luck. That's our problem. Something the crazy, like terrible thing is totally our problem. <laughs> um, well, we're here to talk about your favorite movie. Which yeah. Is... Well, I wouldn't talk about Hell or High Water. I'm, I'm one of those where, like, when you start saying favorite anything, I'm like, I cannot choose. Um, and I'm not a big classics person, so I haven't seen a lot of the classics, admittedly, which I'm embarrassed about working in this industry. But also, I know a lot of people who are, like, into the classics and they... They come up as movie snobs sometimes. So I'm not crazy about it. <laughs> Sorry. If, uh, well, and a lot of the execs you talk to, they don't know shit about the classics either. So well, it's a running yeah. joke on this show, too, that we struggle with picking a favorite movie ourselves. Meanwhile, we have a whole show about asking other people to pick yeah. theirs. It's like an inside joke. We can yeah. yeah. I consider my favorites like, what movie can I like sit down and watch over and over and over? And it may not be the best movie, but it's just it's something about it speaks to me where I can just like, it'll be halfway through on the cable and I'll be like, yeah, I'll sit down and watch the last half or the first half or all of it. You know, I just, and I've seen Hell or High Water many, many times. So it felt like a good, uh, in my wheelhouse, especially if we're going to be talking about writing or anything, my brand, it is, it feels very much in my brand. So that'd yeah. be a good one. It was kind of in our brand too, too, which is why yeah. we said we kind of love, hate Taylor Sheridan right. as far as just jealousy you, goes. Are you familiar with our script Mechanicsville? You know, you know I've heard about, I mean, I've heard about infamous, I mean, you guys have that, you have hubris, you have, mm -hmm. is it Revengers? Not Avengers, right? Like, I've heard about, the I, don't Revenger, yeah. I don't know that I've read any of your guys' scripts, but I like know all their titles. I don't know if it's within our well, writing group, everyone else talks about them, but yes, I've heard mm -hmm. of Mechanics. The only reason I mention it is because when this came out, Jay and I were like, because it, there's a lot of overlap, like it's a script about robbers. a couple Texan brothers, uh, you know, but one's a bad seed type. The other one's more of a do gooder type. And uh, they're they rob a bank. I mean, it, it's very oh, it's it, 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 there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. In some yeah. ways, watching this again, I, I I wish I could just merge the two because there's a lot of things in this that I wish we had done. And there's a lot of things in ours that I wish or that I think could be cool if it were in this yeah. story like the villain our villain and yeah know, ours is a little more things, yeah. hyperbolic i'd say yeah. i mean it's still grounded and shit and that's what we always aim for is grounded and character driven yeah. but it's just a little more beefy as far as mm -hmm. um just that's what turns us on when we write like, is those louder characters you know there, but you know, the yeah. kind of shit yeah. i like watching is pretty spare and sparse and mm -hmm. grounded like this so it's yeah a, i feel like you guys are at least what i've heard about like everyone who talks about your shows like i feel like you guys like push the edges a little bit it's like a little you know grittier and that kind of thing which taylor sheridan is but very much if you look across his movies they are very grounded and you feel like like you're just like peeking into someone's life and there's mm -hmm. not much that feels like too too heightened about it but um 
Yeah, none of the characters yeah. have the volume turned up that much in terms of dialogue or anything. We might chew yeah. a little more. There's a there's dialogue. a couple little spots in there, like when the you know they're they're in, uh, interviewing the teller who was robbed, and they ask you know what, what color were the the robbers, you know, and she said their their skin or their souls, you know, stuff like that, where it's a little bit yeah, so we like right, but... hyperbot, yeah, yeah, but um. But it, otherwise, it has a lot of restraint, tons of restraint um, compared to like Winter's Bone does that too. Do you know if Taylor uh, Sheridan is Southern? Is he a Southern boy or not? I believe he is. If he's not born and raised in Texas, he at least lives on a mm -hmm. ranch in Texas. But I think he like grew up partly in Texas. But I don't know if like you look at his bio. I think he says it's, he's from somewhere else. But I'm pretty sure he like spent a lot of time in Texas or grew up there, which is evident in like if you look at a lot of the scripts they they are like reservation yeah. ranchy yeah. i mean like yeah i don't know if you guys watch yellowstone yeah. which is one of my favorite shows mm. and it's I've not seen definitely, a bit of it yeah it's cool it's not the best show out there for sure but it's mm -hmm. just like man i'm it's I'm world a is kind of yeah yeah it's weird for uh, for someone who is you know an asian woman technically but i sound like i sounds like man I, I love a good flawed white guy like protag uh, and, and cowboys hey. <laughs> we're right here hey you know i write them i like cheers them. Yeah. yeah it's a flawed white man hey. um Bye. he was Speaking born in cheers. texas i just googled him uh cranfield's gap texas texas yeah, which you, you can feel in like his character i mean like i what i'm always in and i actually Oh, you guys! I'm nice. I'm in I honor of boxer. This is what the drinking. boys were drinking in the movie, Shinerbach, dude. Oh, we're the, oh, okay. I didn't catch you guys movie. are on. Oh wait, one of you's on West Coast time. One of you's on what Central time? Yeah. I was like, I'm drinking I'm Orange County. Tea. We're, ah, we're right. animals. Well, <laughs> I got tea as well. I'm double fisted it. <laughs> I'm I'm tea out of coffee. Whiskey. So I'm like, my husband's like, are we British now? I was like, no, we don't have any coffee, so I need caffeine. Um, so your husband. He's an awesome guy, right? Because he took the dive with you. You guys made the move out with, you know, very little prospects yeah. at the time. And you just worked <laughs> as like a writer's assistant and shit like that, right? Or Yeah, we were literally both teaching at the time, which was not his career field. That was my first, like I went to college, tried to, you know, I had a free ride. So I was like, let me get a normal degree. But I was like secretly closeted riding all through college. And uh, so when I got out, I was a coach and math teacher and he somehow like, you know, he actually is a car guy. So he started a body shop, but he saw the prospect of like, they wanted to hire someone at the high school to teach vocational. And he's like, oh, teaching kids a trade skill. That'll be fun <laughs> until we would come home. And I'd be like, oh, you know, my kids are talking while I talk. They won't listen. He's like, well, my kids are running around the shop swinging uh, power saws and shit. I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay, I was like, you win. He's like, I my wife's a teacher. Kids. It is insane. Oh my God. Um, well, yeah, that's power to, saws. To, oh. No, and hammers. I'm like, okay, well, you're that's dangerous. But uh, no, for honestly, teaching was a thing. I did it for two years. I was like, oh, you know, my dad's a teacher. I was like, I can't do this shit for 30 years. I'm not going to survive. So I, I yeah, hang. we, oh, it's it's underpaid and underappreciated. Um, for sure. For sure. And this pandemic, I'm like, I've, I don't know how all teachers are not quitting, but, um, but no, yeah, we had no jobs lined up, had a little money saved, literally just like packed up our shit one summer and moved out to LA, which looking back was nice. probably dumb, but I guess it worked out, <laughs> you know, definitely worked what out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and we kind of switched around, like he obviously working in the car industry, like LA is great for that. Lots of cars, lots of people wreck, like he had a easy people money to Get yeah custom jobs so he definitely supported me through the first half and now we kind of flipped you know now that i've kind of got my career up and going and you know i, I will say the tv industry pays pretty well um he he quit like the the corporate job at state farm and decided to open his own restoration shop so now he's kind of like i'm the one who's like supporting his dream which is kind of cool that we've been able to do that so I totally like i see that uh mustang he built looks ridiculous that is, that is mine yeah that's yours that right <laughs> that is mine yeah no he's got some cool projects in there we literally have a 67 scout truck we're delivering uh to central Sick. california next week yeah he's got he's got some really cool shit in there and it's all old cars like yeah that's that's the thing you know everyone else is doing just like collision repair so i get to see some cool stuff happen is he like updating there. the engines and shit in them or are they leaving the original engines it's a, it's a little bit of everything we have some people who want like bone stock and then we have some who are coming in there like complete they want him to do everything you know we he does a little mechanical stuff but that's 
he's definitely more of the auto bot like the body and and doing like the metal work but he will i mean he'll he'll pull out an engine and drop it but sometimes they also want to go to like their engine guy and we're like that's fine because mechanical stuff for us is like but we got like a 64 impala a couple of mustangs up there 52 gmc we've got just a bunch of i mean people up here there there's a lot of car people up here so it's a good place to be just to like see what people bring in so the cars is one of the great grounding things about hell or high water to bring it back to the movie just the shit what is he in like an old shitty i know like 80 there's there's the i guess it's like a 90s ford bronco too it looks like a truck because it doesn't have she's gonna get like marissa tomei and my cousin Vinny on us and shit the pot's attraction Uh, yeah and, and also something i noticed about that too is that how this very much is like a western kind of story feels like a western but it has like these you know like shitty you know family two-door coops and stuff like that you know like just sprinkled through it it's like whatever they had around it's like uh well much of the movie was about the you know old world passing away like that it was that great moment when the um the rancher was driving his cattle away from the fire and he said here i am in the 21st century running from a fire toward the river, you know, chasing cattle. And, you know, I wonder why my kids don't want to do this shit, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of that, like, you know, so to, to speak to like, you know, the, this, what otherwise could be just the wild West with, you know, uh, like more modern, you know, conveniences and cars and things like that sprinkled in, like the whole world Taylor, dying off. And Was that Taylor Sheridan? He, I know he played one of the ranchers. I don't know if that oh, was, was his mind. Did you guys, yeah, he's usually in all of his oh. movies. He's, he's one of the guys that rides up to the truck yeah, we're Jeff Bridges and and um, okay. Gil cool. Birmingham are, but I don't know if he's that one. Yeah, I think he because he used to be an actor, so I think. Yeah, that's the yeah. only reason I don't like him because he like writes shit like us, but he looks <laughs> right. like one of the characters right, yeah, that would be in part. it, where we look like but the I, dude who would write it. But all of his stuff is like even Sicario, which is not set in like Texas, mm-hmm. but they all of his stuff feels like mod. They feel like modern westerns. They're just not For always sure. set, you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, which I think was like his thing with his trilogy. But yeah. I mean, what I love about what he does, if any, and like Hell or High Water is a perfect example, like the plot is super simple. Like there's nothing, like there is a little bit of a reveal, like why are they robbing the banks mm-hmm. and you come to find out about, you know, their ranch being foreclosed. Which didn't on have that, to which... be held back. You could have easily no, put no. that up front, you know. Yeah, exactly. But I was just like, really you have, and, and he could have probably just went with like the two brothers and told their story, but I really like how he kind of split it in terms of like Jeff Bridges, yeah. here's the retiring Texas Ranger and his you know unlikely partner who i actually think they have in my opinion the, the more interesting arc or the relationship mm-hmm. because it is yeah. so like yeah. it's very much a partnership of like you know that he's poking at him and but there's clearly like some respect and love there and then obviously i don't want to spoil the ending for anyone but that that no, we spoil everything here oh do you know when, yeah, yeah. when uh, gil birmingham gets shot you're like oh you just feel that gut because you're like the way they left there again their relationship it's mm-hmm. like i don't i think you know mm-hmm. jeff bridges took him for granted but I'm curious what you guys think of the casting all around. Cause I've always said people, I tell people I love this movie, but it's not that I have an issue with Chris Pine. It's just something about that role. I'm like, that could have been anyone or he's too recognizable for me. Like I love Ben Foster. Cause I think he plays that role mm-hmm. well. And ben he Foster's is recognizable. Name, totally. And, and, yeah, and Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Jeff Bridges is also yeah, very amazing. recognizable. But I don't know. Chris Pine was like, is like the sticks out a little bit too much for me. And I don't know if it's just mm-hmm. my own taste. Movie you star eyes. Too good looking. Yeah. I, even yeah, when they try to scrub him up, I'm like, this is my favorite yeah. role of his. I'll say. Yeah. Oh, really? Agreed. But well, I think that's just because it's like Captain Kirk and the dude in Wonder Woman and shit. Like what else? Well, is that's he? what I picture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what screws it up for me. Yeah, I mean, he I carried it very well. I if feel you, like he was pretty convincing uh, acting wise, yeah. but I see what, I know what you mean. There, it just doesn't, I don't know. Like, it's a face destined for more too pretty. That. He's just too pretty. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> He'd already yeah. be in Hollywood or a rock star or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, he does not sink into the role. Like so yeah. Jeff Bridges, I totally buy like you know, old salty Texas Ranger on retirement. Mm-hmm. Like that sure. is of his thing, but I don't know. I couldn't Dude, you're talking to people though who love casting movies with unknowns. We just did a uh, Blue Ruin with our boy Adam Barker, <gasps> you know, Adam, of course. And yeah that's that's one of the things about those kind of movies and bubble that Soderbergh made where he cast like the manager of the KFC and shit to be his lead you know oh I don't love, know about that or did you ever see Joe you haven't seen it you should definitely by see David uh, Green. Jo- yeah I saw Joe I love Blue Ruin I mean I love all that like Winter's Bone Mud like I don't mm-hmm. know was right. what they called rural noir is what the or, yeah um, basically rural rural noir mm-hmm. I think what's the uh, there's another term for True it detective is in that vein um of course um no country for old men or sort yeah. of that world yeah 
I love so those are some of my favorite and that's also what I like to write so I'm typically drawn towards it. and it's probably the setting I'm sure in some sense mm-hmm. but um yeah we were and drawn characters. to that too for sure yeah and, well again though like the Jeff Bridges you could have cast a Ted Levine or some badass character actor that most people might be like where do I know him from and shit you know mm-hmm. most not realizing he was Buffalo Bill <laughs> that is but, definitely a phenomenon that that I'm conscious of I think most people uh, are affected by which is when you have like sometimes you'll have movies with like nothing but A-listers and it's kind of like, eh, you know, but then you see something like a Bub or Joe or whatever, where it's, you know, uh, like what the reference with Jay was going to make with Joe is this guy, Gary Paulson, who was like a homeless dude that they cast for this part. And he was amazing. Paulson, and he died yeah. before it was even released. I remember but, that. Uh, yeah, he never got to see it. He croaked before it was released, which is not Poulter, Gary Poulter, right? Yeah, yeah. Poulter. Yeah. Like Poltergeist. I wish he'd come mm-hmm. back and haunt a movie of ours. That fucker was awesome. No shit. <laughs> That's part of the problem with trying to make movies, though. Sometimes the only way you get it made is by putting a bunch of known faces in it that you get right. Yeah. sales on. That's what gets attention. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. hard to make a movie with nobody in it. I love, yeah, I love a good unknown, even Blue Room, because that guy, his, he was known yeah. for, wasn't it like a different genre or something, or just making Blair, dude? I don't know what. Yeah. The well, they, they, the that. same guys or... made a movie prior to that. Uh, was it, it's called a uh, Murder Party, I think. Yeah, and it was like a genre horror type thing, and uh, it, it, you know, was kind of whatever like you know pan yeah. and they, they this was uh blue ruin was their last ditch they were like all right let's make a serious movie together kickstarted another simple but great just like very simple plot but just i don't know just some i, yeah. I love morally great characters i find if i look mm-hmm. across my side i'm sure you Definitely. guys are very For well sure. in that brand um and i always wonder it's funny because sometimes i think we subconsciously write like it took me a while like i wrote you know I'd written probably 10 or 12 projects, but then I, I realized at some point I was literally driving into probably one of my TV jobs or even my assistant job. And I thought, oh, like four or five of my pilots or scripts started with like a character returning home, like a, mm-hmm. they, after they had failed. And I was like, oh, I must have yeah. a subconscious probably fear. And I do about, yeah, returning home a failure. But like, I never set out to like tell that story, but just subconsciously you find that was things. your fear of of going to hollywood and failing and having to return yeah. home and failure to arkansas <laughs> manifesting yeah. itself well when you tell people you know you're town, from a town of 700 people and you're like i'm going to hollywood to pursue yeah. a dream they're like oh yeah good luck with that you know exactly. we'll, we'll be seeing you soon and so uh and i've always like felt that a little bit not even Showed even them. before i left like growing up there chip on my shoulder a little bit so yeah but again i wouldn't have acknowledged that when i was writing but clearly so morally great characters too. And I'm sure we all look at ourselves this way. Like we all feel like, like people look at us like, Oh, you're a good person. And then inside you're like, am I really, <laughs> you know, like the so. opposite. A lot of people think they're a good person. <laughs> and they're not. Uh, uh, well, not me. So I, I find that my characters tend to be very kind of morally, you know, those are the only sense. interesting characters to watch. Yeah. I mean, what are you agree. doing otherwise, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, I like, like, Captain, you know, like, actually, I don't like superhero movies, but in, I get the, the the one of, like, the Supermans or Wonder Womans. You're like, oh, they are good people, but um, I, I can't write the I can't write heroes. Right. Yeah. At least if Tony Stark's, like, a weapons dealer. So there's right. that moral. Yeah. Some you know. pathos or something, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I love just bad seed characters, you know, oh, like, man. as Ben Foster's character, there's shit. nothing better, you know? <laughs> it's just, like, oh, yeah. they just give it this was. edge and... Yeah, you always find yourself kind of wanting to be that guy. It's like the bender from Breakfast Club, the you know the guy who's mm-hmm. the rap scallion or whatever. Now sometimes it's taken to this murderous level and shit, like Ben Foster in this film. But yeah. Yeah. at the same time, oh, shit, it's revealed that uh, <laughs> that was a better look for you actually. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time, it's revealed that he's doing it all out of love to a degree too, or he at least has looked at this as a thing that he was going to sacrifice himself in the end you know yeah mm-hmm. i forgot about that at yeah. the end where he's kind of like you go and i'll take care of this mm-hmm. it's like i was like oh yeah he clearly that, you know that was a genius move by the way when he let the the he loaded the truck up uh with explosives or whatever it was or kerosene and and let it just roll back down yes. the hill into the yeah. fucking uh, pursuers uh, i was like maybe when he's revenge. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah that whole sequence everything from like even just the shooting i don't know even the like i've I didn't realize how prominent the the way they set up that pose after Jeff Bridges shoots Ben Foster and just like the way he slumps over in his gun, they just kind of linger for mm-hmm. a second. Yeah, like a great shot. I noticed that too. The second viewing yeah. where he, the gun actually stopped his fall, so it was like propping mm-hmm. him up. You know, yeah, that was yeah. an interesting touch. You know, almost shot. like 
symbolic in a way you know dude how so, great was jeff bridges acting in the moment after shooting him just the reaction mm. how he slapped oh, yeah. the dude yes first. i love that that was great know. but then the emotion hit him and mm-hmm. the catharsis is not going to bring my friend back that. you know it was yeah, all I, there without a word yes, spoken. It, it was fucking amazing. It's like celebratory and melancholy at the same time. Yeah. And like, yeah, deep breath. And yeah, it was just, I, and I forgot about that too. And I was like, man. And, and of course he's great. But yeah, it, you really felt like that's exactly how someone would have felt in that situation. It was, yeah, he's good. Mm-hmm. He's so good. Um, I want to bring up my favorite scene. Actually, this is not even my favorite scene in just this movie. This is a scene I've referenced to many people, and I don't know why it stuck with me, because it's one of those scenes you could cut from the movie, and it would not make a difference. Those are usually the best scenes. Yeah. I exactly. guess. But so when Jeff Bridges and Gil Birmingham go to sit at the diner across from the bank to wait, and the waitress mm-hmm. comes yeah. up. Yeah. And what, what, you, what don't you want? What don't you want? It's, what it's, don't you want? I've like literally sometimes just watched clips of that, because, well, and also my parents uh or my husband's parents used to own a restaurant in town and so it feels very much of like oh yeah i know these types yeah i had a couple um, great sassy waitresses in this (laughs) yeah and i just like and i think she was i think she has a couple of credits but i think it felt like one of those people they just like actually pulled from a diner somewhere i don't know right exactly gary poltered her ass yeah Yeah, but there's something that felt it's someone who's from the south like it just felt like the most authentic southern scene or something for me so it just gets me every time Mm. i love this woman and also have like an affinity for like older yes well my last pilot i wrote kind of that like uh francis mcdormick kind of just yeah rattlesnake Mm -hmm. salty uh Mm -hmm just older woman who clearly has lived a life and is like does not give a damn about you and there's something i just appreciate about she had an epiphany makes- with our our show the revenger when we had it with the going with the weinstein company before all harvey shit went to hell sure. um we actually had an epiphany as we were develop- developing it with them we we're like what if we make it the mom and you get like Frances McDormand just going on a war path, but it's super realistically like she has to use her brain to take down three dudes. It's not about some woman running around kicking ass doing Krav Maga and shit, you know? And uh, they were like, eh. Let's just stick with the male lead. <laughs> I was like, you well, fuckers. And you think, yeah, I don't know. I'm down to co write that right one because I would yeah, love right. to see fucking right. Frances McDormand with a bat. Uh, wrapped in like barbar oh, yeah. or something yeah. shit out it reminds me of our grandmother she was kind of a no shit taken you know oh, yeah. old school you know uh, hard scrabble like uh there's a story of uh her her husband or i think it was her i don't know some some guy in her life pulling a gun on her and she's just like go ahead you ain't got the balls and shit like that you know <laughs> just you know yeah, i t- i tell my husband you know oh. we're in our 30s which we arguably hopefully have a long time to live but he's like you know what the more i look at old people like that i was like i get it i get how you spend 30 years on this earth and you already feel a certain way it's like imagine spending 30 plus more years like how could you not get to a place where you're just like you know fuck totally. everyone and yeah, yeah. you know oh, like, I don't, doubly jaded the mule and shit yeah exactly mm-hmm. especially like, I get people it. from those earlier generations you know where oh, life was harder than we have it today and it's admit you know like that yeah yeah most of life is getting your ass kicked that's why it yeah. resonates so much with us um, like how indiana jones or john mcclain just by the end of the movie they've gone through this gauntlet and gotten the shit kicked out of them but keep getting up like rocky mm-hmm. you know that's what life is for the most part is mm-hmm. like rocky says it's getting up seeing how hard you can get hit and get up and keep moving forward and uh by the end of your days yeah man i'm gonna be a salty old larry david meets Grand Torino without the racism. Look forward to it. It sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> Get off my lawn. To, to backtrack on the Francis McDormand thing, have you guys seen Nomadland? No, but I was just about yeah. to mention that because oh, we to. got this thing where we challenge each other with movies on a little side thing, Cinephiliacs, where we each bring a pick. So it's like a double feature and it's usually completely insane mashups because they're random and we don't know we surprise each party other. monster in the mission for example <laughs> yeah, exactly um <laughs> go ahead but i was going to mention that film just because that's a yeah. film where she famously apparently cast a bunch of real nomads and that's one of the things i guarantee that's resonating with people we got to get away mm-hmm, from this mm-hmm. whole star stuff star we can go back yeah. to more auteur shit and like just bank on storytellers instead of stars you know well there's and it's more convincing because you don't have to get past the fact that you've seen this person in 50 other movies and you know taxi driver character or whatever it may Mm -hmm. be you know like that that you can just buy that this is really the person like the camera's really in the the room with the real individual and stuff right and acting you even forget the camera at that point 
acting itself. I mean, we just had a little roundtable we did with some of the Dead Poet Society cast members and shit on the show, which was amazing. Um, like Gail Hansen, Noanda, one of the all-time great characters. And he talked about acting a lot, but sometimes I'm like, um, I saw an interview with Dave Mamet's daughter. You know, she was on Girls and shit. She's an actress. And she was talking about Dave Mamet told her like, fuck acting school, fuck this, fuck that. He's like, show up on time, say, know your lines and look the other guy in the eye. Get out of your own Be way. as truthful yeah. as possible. That's it. That's all you got to do to act. So I feel like sometimes getting the person from KFC and helping them do that with a small, intimate crew, which I think is key. I think if you got a big hundred person crew, they're going to be overwhelmed. And But if you get a small little skeletal crew with some non-actors, I think you can weave some magic and for yeah. some reason it's you know it's just again it's millions of dollars at yeah stake it's about on. getting uh right marketing and and budget you know a budget and you know investors and stuff like but that like it's half the take some of the shows you worked on you worked on badlands right mm-hmm. who was the star in that was there a bankable star in that no they're really i mean um oh and i'm literally blanking on his name daniel i mean he would and he and he would and he's probably big in like asia but like right. i think if you would ask like here and you know he daniel Wu. um i mean he's been some stuff now but i don't think like if you put his if i put his picture up no, he'll go like you know all, or yeah. like daniel a lot of tv him, is like know? that too yeah right yeah. tv a lot, a lot of people didn't know who the fuck um gandolfini like, was Tony before sopranos, sopranos exactly you know? yeah. Yeah. all those I mean, actors no one knew were aware of any of them really i mean the, the occasional you know cameo but uh, you know, later i think this the show i did with the biggest stars and actually worked on set with them and it is just different like i'm thinking about like so when I did 911 Lone Star, I mean, that was um, Rob Lowe and Liv Tyler. So, the, I mean, those are pretty, actually, mm-hmm. at least for Liv coming from, this was her first network show. So she's coming from like the movie world. Right. And yeah. then Rob obviously has been around the block, you know, West Wing and, and mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So um, it's like faces you can't, unre- you know, unsee or unrecognize. Right. But yeah, I, I do like, um, for one, just movies, I feel like lack authenticity, especially that's why I hate like things that are set in the South. And when I watch them, I'm like, clearly <laughs> yeah, this person is not from there. Yeah. yeah, it's so hard to watch. And they're, so, you know, like, I think there are movies that do it well, but they're usually from the people like, so, you know, Winter's Bone felt very real to me. Uh, Mud, but I mean, you're talking about Jeff Nichols, who's born and raised in Arkansas, right. shot in an Arkansas Shotgun cast. stories. Mm, yeah shotgun yes. stories yeah david gordon green he's you know he's from yeah, originally he's from cool. arkansas but like the north carolinas Carolina yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Still, yeah. nick saying i mean i don't think he's from the south but you know i know he went to university of arkansas but you know and right they've the spent south. some time and steeped in it and gotten that yeah. cadence of the dialogue there's a couple yeah. lines in a lot of them even winter's bone there's a couple yeah. lines that feel almost too arch southern gothic like with this yeah hillbilly yeah, exactly. method really say yeah. that shit and right. you know true um what's it called true detective of course has some of that mm-hmm. in it. yeah oh yeah uh, it's very poetic and yeah, exactly. you know, sometimes it's like, sort of I, genre different uh, its own genre where it can get you know uh overinflated in those respects yeah sometimes i think that and then sometimes i'll catch my husband saying something so southern that is so like cliche and i'm like oh, I guess it's all like a pot of neck bones yeah he, he uses uh, southernisms and colloquial like okay i guess fine i we love that shit. that shit that's the best yeah but, uh, yes we well, some, i'm saying writing. the ones that aren't cliches though oh my. right like that are lesser like known like to most cliche, people exactly not, i don't yeah. know it's a that's a thing for us though because yeah. believe it or not we don't sound like it now um being military brats moving around but we're southern boys at heart you know um, our graduated high school in georgia and, yeah he went to high school in georgia um, virginia is where i graduated southern enough but our parents uh, yeah. live in texas and yeah. our original father oh. was there as well in galveston what part of texas to, oh uh they're, they're in, in san antonio okay uh, so it's a it's not quite west texas like this was set in and everything yeah, you know? yeah. but uh but our our natural dad i don't know if you didn't know that whole story but we we had lost him for like 30 years and then our twin sisters he had after us found us on facebook and we went to meet him before he passed away a few years ago a couple times we went out there and I he was in galveston on yeah. i think jay you're you were posting about it, Tom. so i remember following it just through your social media posts which mm-hmm. was kind of super cool but well yeah, that so informed guys... revenger a lot too because yeah. we had revenge yeah. the revenger in our head is just this idea of a what if this old alcoholic motherfucker found out his son was a wannabe superhero and got killed and the dad finds like the lair with all the gear and shit and he starts using it to get revenge on the guys who killed his son you know so cool. but we just kept kicking it around but when we went to visit him in galveston um oil country pirate country on the gulf and shit it's basically louisiana's 
western half you know what i'm saying so that's we're like this is where we set this story so it's super yeah, southern fried too he had a property with you know a bunch of trailers on it that he would rent out and i was like how do you find tenants do you like advertise somehow we said oh, no, just people roll by and go hey you renting one of those you know like dudes like, on the land people like shit, off the grid man. you know yeah on the land yeah yeah they Johnny saw his... roger and a confederate flag yeah, i was gonna say they saw his pirate flag and <laughs> right. confederate, confederate flag, flag might have sold them who knows safe haven <laughs> You know, it right, is exactly. I think people Safe forget. Harbor, yeah. I think post twenty sixteen, definitely, we realize we live in two different Americas. But I think people forget how entrenched, especially some of those rural places, are in just oh, the yeah. culture and decades. Like, no one forces them to change. So why, like, the things around them just slowly? Or you'll mm-hmm. yeah, Confederate flags. Like, hey, that's well, to them, it's not even a bad thing, though. No, they just no. Yeah, it's just the, it's a source of pride and a, exactly you know, yeah they don't associate um, it with the the evils that the horrors that other people do you know that some do but most don't yeah, yeah, yeah i wrestle with a lot of that i don't think you know, uh butch did yard because nah. yeah. obviously hollywood is very at least in the tv world it's hard to speak to like individual writers and features but it's very it's a liberal bubble which is kind of For you know sure. dangerous yes. it's dangerous in its own sense because, it is, you know, i hear absolutely. i hear i hear some interesting like just very progressive and that and then you know obviously with everything going on post 2016 and that four years that we all you know survived <laughs> i think um Barely. just you know hear, hearing you know what they thought of like again the you know the basket of deplorables and all that. i was like man if if you knew these people mm-hmm. that's easy to say right but if you knew these people you know they're, they're hardworking, honest and you could argue that you know, you don't know what you don't know, you know, but some of them do believe that there are some shit birds there and I'm not going to defend them, but, Favorite and then you talk birds, by the way. shit birds. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. FBI. I love <laughs> it. One of the writers says it a lot. I was like, I'm going to use that. But in the yeah. South, same thing. Yeah. Like I've been called like, you know, a California liberal idiot. I'm like, why? Cause I moved to California and you assume, I mean, I would say I'm, I'm definitely, you know, my, my dad was a Southern Democrat as, right. a, as a redneck. So uh, I already had a weird people they do he's a unicorn i mean he's actually i wasn't so much a military brat but you know he met my mom stationed in korea mm-hmm. it's obviously how this happened um, that's why your your whole demographic is no stranger to us the uh yeah asian with the southern accent we have seen it over and over it's, growing up as military brats so. yeah. yeah my mom lives outside dc and when i went to visit her i realized all my friends were half korean and all of our mom's korean and all of our dads were in the military and took me like a hot second to like realize like oh that's a thing about you know men mm-hmm. being stationed there married and, and a lot back. of southerners join the military so you end up yes. with a lot of mm-hmm. yes yeah. yeah my dad is you know i think of my dad's like a redneck sitcom dad like very like he used to be a drill sergeant too very loud voice very oh, ranty <laughs> that must have been he, interesting like, growing up yeah he lives in the backwoods like he gets no fun signal he literally like walk across the street he's yes. on his beer lease lake is down the road like he is a redneck through and through and so yeah i that's i grew up as a redneck um nice do you still clearly... enjoy that shit mudding and what are you <laughs> yeah, like, gigging I mean, for frogs and shit? <laughs> i you know i don't love to hunt Doodling. that's something about kids Killing animals is not my forte. I love to fish. I will hook a good mm, fish and yeah, release I'm it. Um, but I love to fish. N- not a big hunter, but yeah, I mean, playing golf with them. You know, I'm still a big golfer. Um, I like mud. Yeah, I like. I want. I, 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 we like trucks and. You listen to country and- music. I, I'm a country music fan, a classic rock too. I mean, my dad. I mean, I grew up on like '90s country. How's that go over rock. in the writers' rooms and shit? I can't get anyone to talk to me about country. They're like, I mean, unless it's like Garth Brooks. Like, Which is sad because you know what? What genre of music has better storytelling? Right. Country music is oh, good for storytelling. It is, I'm sure that's a lot of what you bring to the writing too, is this other world that you're from that, you know, you might not expect yeah. and the, like the influences you have from all that. I think definitely in terms of like, you know, people want to see for one, when they read you on the page, like, you know, a strong voice. And I get told that a lot. I've actually been told I have a masculine voice, which I don't know how to take. I'm curious if you guys have a take on that. I know that you never read my writing, but sometimes people, they're like, we don't look at like the writer and they like, they'll read, like I wrote a Western and that's gotten me a lot of jobs. And they're like, I'll go back to the beginning. And I realize you're a woman. It's weird. Cause you have such a masculine voice. And I'm like, thank you. I don't know what to think about that, okay. but it, it is a strong, I'm sure coming from the South, it is like, you know, a male dominated kind of, I was like, or I don't know. I've somehow picked that up. I've always been surrounded by men, I guess. I don't know. I guess my Just Westerns in general, that code, that forthrightness, that man on a mission, revenge, all the themes that mm-hmm. concern themselves or Westerns and genres like that concern themselves with are kind of, I guess you would say masculine, yeah. but that yeah, whole thing I, is silly. It's like, that's what it's so great yeah. when uh, 
fucking what Francis McDormand goes off instead of Clint right. Eastwood. You know, what it's is all this? getting shattered more and more now. Anyway, that, right. that idea. We all have the same feelings. Yeah. Like a woman would want the same kind of retribution if her son right. got killed as the dad would. You know, it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah maybe it's like the girl in True Grit or um, Ozark. If you've seen the show Ozark, you know, I think her name's Ruth or something. Yeah, uh, you know, they have these kind of like hardened. You know, they were ra- uh, surrounded by like bone. redneck guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe it's the thing. Maybe it's like again, it, and sometimes it's when I show up in the room, they're like, "Oh, I did not expect a petite-looking Asian woman mm-hmm. to have written this." Um, which, fair enough. Like, talk about my life being a contradiction and the way I look and the way I sound and, and all those things. I but think, um, so many lives are, and people just don't <laughs> see. I almost hate it when people talk in those terms, masculine, feminine. Yeah. Right. What I expected. It's like, how about you just approach it a priori, as Kant would say, or whatever, and you just take it for what it is. Yeah. And I'm curious to meet the person who wrote this without yeah. assuming all these things about them based on what was written. I don't know. But I think people are intrigued by the background because, for one, a lot of people, I don't find a lot of people come from the South and enter the business. Mm-hmm. And if they do, they're from like Dallas, Atlanta, and fine, those are in the South, but I would argue they're very different from like your rural places in the South. For and sure. then, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think, but it's funny the shows I've worked on, it's not like my background like lends themselves. It's like, again, my first show was 12 Monkeys. That was a time travel sci fi, and they read a Western, mm-hmm. which arguably mm-hmm. genre, but, um, but like, you know, working on the FBI right now, it's like it's FBI agents in New York, uh, you know, Lone Star firefighters. Um, I've met on stuff where it's like, you know, uh, set in Hawaii and like things that like my background does not lend itself to. But clearly yeah, if you're imaginative enough. And, you know, I like that. Yeah. I don't like just matching <laughs> identities and representation of background to yeah. everything. It's important as representation is. And um, even part of the, the fun of writing. writing. What's your advice yeah. to yeah. fat, ugly cis heterosexual white males trying to get into a writer's room these days don't bother are we doomed (laughs) no you know what i will say i think it's hard i think you know i I find the industry you know trying to make up for lost time but also i'm not sure i want to anyway yeah you know i also yeah i mean i think there are probably cable shows you guys would be great for but i don't know that like you guys should be trying to get on network Network. yeah no No. what i know of your no interest All the times yeah, our agents know, tried to send us on that, we're just like, don't bother, bro. We had a couple meetings at the CW. We're like, I what can't do the <laughs> fuck are we doing here? Can we get on Archie or whatever it's called? That's amazing. You guys could do like Ozark, like Ozark or like even Yellowstone. That'd be oh, yeah. Like, I mean, we've sold yeah, like, TV. We, we definitely bring they just never element. get bought. <laughs> I will say the TV writing, you know, it's gotten more competitive. I think mm-hmm. for one, just like, I think with social media, people for one just find out it's a job, but then, you know, you can do it from anywhere. So I've seen this like influx of people try to get it. It's, it is hard to get to the door because it is such a, like everyone at the bottom, you know, and the, the white man thing, I mean, it's tough. Cause I get it. Like I said, I think the industry is kind of overcorrecting, but not in the best ways. Again, what we really need is like people of color, women at the upper levels. Cause I'll, yes. you know, I've, I've, I've been on these staffs where it's like, I've been either one of two women or one of two people of color in a sense. And everyone else above above me will be you know white and it's like well if you have a show whatever like badlands you know if your 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 main character is asian it's like oh we have asian representation but like yeah at the staff writer level the person who has Mm -hmm. the least amount of say in the room so there is a sense of this like i think not back padding but it sometimes it is for the the statistics it can uh, feel like tokenism almost or like we check the box especially on casting like the more visible it is to the public that seems to be where it happens the most right because it is sort of so, cal t- or you know, think, trying to um you know it, appeal to yeah, that you know exactly and visibly. you know we need we need more like in front of the camera behind the camera i mean like obviously yeah. it represents the, the country we live in but um you know, I guess you have to start somewhere. So I get when you have your one spot left, it's like, well, let's hire someone, you know, a woman or a person of color. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I definitely I've heard this from, I, I have a lot of white guy friends. It's like, it, they, they feel like there is no spot for them. So I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I still believe in a sense that like truly good writing will at least get you somewhere or, or, get, mm-hmm. or get you to the top of at least a read pile, whether they actually hire you. Cause sometimes, you know, a show might, a runner may want you, but the, that's studio network is where they'll step exactly. in and say, Hey, we need people of color or whatever. Well, but, some of the know, budgeting I, for staffs, I don't know if this is still the case would come out of like the HR diversity hire budget. Yeah. So it doesn't even count against the show's budget and shit. Yes. Which, so then there's a financial incentive to diversify, which is good again but yeah it is and this isn't white guy uh, bitching we don't give a fuck we wouldn't even fit in a writer's room anyway no but, no no. i right. think yeah i don't know that yeah i, I think the like something that was super like 
again, very specific for you guys. Like you guys would be a great addition, but I definitely think there would be some settings you guys would be like, no, fuck that. I don't. Oh, I, don't yeah, just, I was in some of those yeah. WGA groups on Facebook of all WGA writers, and just I was yeah. like, there's no way I could do it, it'd be an endurance writers. test for me because so many of them yeah. though get caught up in arguments about how what was said instead of what was said and it's a lot of policing each other and shit and i'm like it's a you know. sensitive bunch which i have trouble with too again from someone from the south where typically right. everyone speaks unfiltered i even sometimes feel like i need to watch and again i feel like i'm pretty progressive again right. not as progressive as like i see mm-hmm, some people mm-hmm. here who are so far left you know i think i'm pretty in the middle which i think is where most of america is but yeah. <laughs> i'm sometimes have to be careful about what i say because sometimes i'm also very like cavalier about stuff i like to joke i have a you know my sense of humor is sometimes dark and i'll say like shit that like um you maybe wouldn't think would come out of the mouth but again that could offend someone in the writer's room or if you ask the wrong question so which i hate tiptoeing around but also i'm like hey i'm not trying to rub right. people the wrong way and lose my job yeah. uh, die on so. that hill so it's very that's so. why i just want to yeah. be part of it i don't even want to right to have to walk on the eggshells at all in the first place it's like snake handling or something at this point where because that should be the one place where you're like a sign you know like in the ufc and that show the ultimate fighter dana white had put the sign (laughs) over the door that said don't leave it in the hands of the judges it's like that constant reminder if i had a writer's room i would want to put in there like try your damnedest to not get offended by anything because i want to hear every idea no matter how outlandish fucked up boundary pushing provocative it's like you want them all in the hopper so I think can, there are those. Just, it all needs to come down yeah. to intent, you know. Are you is your intent to be hateful or harmful or what have you? But if it's mm-hmm. something that is more in the spirit of, uh, you know, imagination or humor or other things, you know, yeah, you know, then it should be free game if you're not actually coming from that. that writers place, of all you know, people. A, a hateful place, you know. When writers yeah, start right. policing exactly. each other on content, especially like when the villains them. themselves have to be defanged, you yes. know, Jay and I talk about that all the time. That like even the villains can't. We're so uh, afraid of triggering that. Yeah, you know, well, they're the bad guys. They're supposed to do things that uh, that they sh- you should be triggered by what they're doing. You know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think there are those rooms out there. Like I so said, they probably live more in the more um, cable, artistic, or even the mini rooms. You know, sometimes these cables that have shows that have 10 episodes you know they may only have a writer's room of like four or five people and i think I whenever the show is able yeah. whether because of a setting or topic or whatever can push them out, i think those tend to be a little more loose because they want the people to like hey be honest or but again i've been in network a little more um so those and we're not generally just writing gritty stuff or topics mm, yeah. in which we have to dig into that so it's just doesn't more come up fun a lot. you know action i haven't yeah. even read you yeah just you know, i think yeah. i've read a bit of your stuff 20 years ago but uh, if oh. you don't want notes i'll read whatever you want to send um, no yeah we should trade like so I've, I've, I've heard of like literally i can name probably multiple i guess i named yeah. like three or four of your projects so i've heard of them it's just yeah i'll send you some we... shit some good southern fried shit but uh the thing is, you, Adam Barker, I already know a couple of people just personality-wise, background-wise, profile-wise that I would put on the staff. It's almost like casting, again, non-actors. I don't it need is, to read yeah. you if I know you're cool, you're on the level, you think mm-hmm. the right way, whatever. I don't. The... Yeah, and writing's a little bit, or at least TV's a little bit, it's like the baseball team analogy. It's like, you know, you don't want 10 pitchers. You don't want 10 first basemen. You know, you yeah, want... Yeah yeah intellectual diversity yeah yeah not even background and all that but tv there is a sense you know what there's sometimes a good thing if you have an experienced person who understands structure which like structure is one of the things i hate to talk about because i never walk out of a movie and go oh man the structure was really great in that movie but but in tv like less so in cable again but like to have someone who know or is like is really good at breaking story or pitching ideas like just having a little bit of diversity in um what your skill set is it's i like find a team you know you got the master of disguise yeah, exactly. you got the right the demolitions guy the strong man <laughs> exactly yeah and you kind of put all your as we say superpowers together and hopefully you get the best product out of it but i think Bolton. you know that's what i tell people you know again my and how i get a lot of these jobs i talk to a lot of people and they're like oh you know you have to know someone on the show to get a job i was like maybe you do but that has not been true of my experience i have feel like i'm one of those rare people my reps just like however they pitch me i don't know because again i don't know how you look at a show like even fbi or lone star well lone star was set in texas so i get that but like fbi and be like hey i've got this redneck asian like she'd be perfect for your show like i don't <laughs> think those conversations are happening but in terms of like i've i've helped staff on the show and sometimes literally you'll get like 200 scripts for two spots 
and you're just having to like grab one and read, grab one and read. And again, you get to the end of that day or the end of that week. and You're like, okay, what are the 10 I remember? And I think that's kind of what I've built my career on so far. Cause again, I don't know anyone. I can't call ahead and be like, Hey, can mm-hmm. you like pick up my script from that pile of 200 and read it and get me ahead somehow? My script's That's a gross way to do up. it anyway. It's got to be a meritocracy or the show yeah. suffer, which right. I think there's evidence yeah. of that too. It seem to be happening. Yeah. So places. I'd like to, yeah. you know, I'd like to, I, I'm confident in my writing skills. Again, I don't think I can write. Don't like, don't hand me in an Avengers movie. I'm going to fuck it up. But um, I think what I, again, when we write our own samples, it's like you write the thing you want to write and put out into the world. So to me, that I'm doing my best work. Um, and I think people see that in a sense and they want, they like want you to bring that to their show, whether it's actually a one-to-one correlation of like, Oh, you're from the South. Again, we're writing in New York city, but bring that like character work or that dialogue. Yeah, you bring like, a different element to it. That would be unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, the representation thing is funny too, though. Cause it is weird. It's like, we're going to bring on a black woman on staff. Great. Right. Diversity. Mm-hmm. But does she now speak for all black women? Cause that's a weird thing. Because, you know what I mean? It's like no one speaks for their that. whole that's demographic. So I hear people being put in those situation, like, and again, they, yeah, that's why, they like you the said, one... the higher up is what needs to change more than anything. You know? Yeah. And they sometimes look at you to be like, okay, well, what it's it, like, again, technically mm-hmm. if you want, I, and this is sometimes where I always feel straddled, you know, am I Southern or am I Asian? And the truth is, again, I named my S corp this. It's like, I am both. I am a redneck Asian. Um, but, but to look at me and like expect, you know, what do all Koreans think or what do all Asians think? Again, right. because it's of my experience, I was like, yeah, I don't know, it's entirely different from not... what a person who grew up in unfair. It's an unfair yeah. burden to put on this writer to yeah. represent their whole race. It's like Absolutely. Jesse Owens at the Olympics or some shit. Like, fuck it. I mean, exactly. the ideal is we are all individuals, right? That's the ideal that you're judged on your individual merit, right. your own experiences, etc. Yeah. And storytellers who are supposed but, to find the universality of the human experience like we should be able to write beyond these boundaries you know um, and of course it's not bad to check in but i even have friends who are like Definitely. well i want to get some female readers well you gave notes you and christy leblanc gave notes to our buddy nate right yeah, yeah but it's like so are right, you got female feedback but again do they speak for all women and shit it's, it's right. kind of silly to me the whole thing but i uh, think willis might speak more for no, i'm just kidding <laughs> 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 uh, jeff jeff had good notes <laughs> Um, so, well, actually, thanks to you guys for getting his script in shape because we went in on the second round with Adam and it was a fucking pretty good read. So thank you. Oh, good. I hate yeah, reading did you people's guys record? first yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's that? putting that episode out next week. Okay. I think yeah. should I'll be have a to good watch one. That. Yeah, I wanted to read the second draft, but I got bu- I'm still busy yeah, yeah. at uh, FBI. So because well, I, I don't even want to read my own third, fourth draft and shit. Eventually, you know what I mean? Like so, like it's kind of actually a good model mm-hmm. to say it's a different group for each draft. You know, yeah. so it's not yeah. And I certainly don't want to read someone's first draft. That's why I was saying thanks again oh, to you. You took yeah, right. the bullet. Thanks for taking know. the hit. Yeah, we'll take one for the team. We were just talking to Tom Shulman. We had on an episode a week or two ago who won the Oscar for the script on dead poet society and he was saying the same we talked a bit about craft and he was like don't bring it to me till you've read it 15 yeah. times you well, know Nate so said people... he thought that we didn't rewrite often and we actually do we just don't bring it oh. to other people until you know we feel like it's solid you know even yeah, the we don't ask draft. anyone for notes ever there's the two of us no. we write what the fuck we want i certainly it. don't yeah yeah like, that's great i need outside eyes yeah that. I usually do like two or three drafts and call the first draft and then mm-hmm. I'll do two or three drafts more for my friends and then send it to my reps and still call the first draft. So, uh, right. You know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> There's that too. <laughs> can, uh, I'm curious. Can we talk about like, do you guys, so do you guys read for notes a lot? Or, like if friends reach out to you or, I mean, I'm not reading a lot these days either, but I guess in the past, I can do people know to not even really, really come to me. <laughs> yeah. Sure I do yeah, mostly I'd be, I'd be scared. Uh-huh. I'm the social network. I, I have a lot of guilt team. in some cases over that, but <laughs> don't well. Uh, I'm the worst. I will offer to read, and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Or if anyone, mm. like a stranger off the street, could ask me, I'd be like, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm the, I'm get myself in a bind. But um, no, I had this thing where like, you know, on social media, it's very much. And look, I think, are you on Twitter, Jay, or are you just on? We uh, just signed back up for Twitter because oh, okay. we had a cactus chat coming out, but we have like 130 followers or some shit. I feel like I, I, I rant, I, I rant to friends about this. I don't rant on Twitter because I don't want to be those people. But like, I see a lot of like the writer community, which is great. I love that there's a writer community, but it's like I read my friend's pilot and it was so great and amazing. I'm like, well, I don't know. I, I hold the words like great and amazing and high regard. Mm, to me, yeah. again, I've read, I've read like hundreds. Louis C.K. Of- with hilarious. 
Yeah, I've read <laughs> hundreds like, of scripts and I remember like 10 or 12 of them I would call great or amazing. And I don't think any of them, unfortunately, mm-hmm. are like five. Like 13 after you read our shit, but that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> you need to <laughs> yeah. reserve it for us. Yeah. Like, I've read some really good stuff for my friends, but, you know, either mm-hmm. stuff I'm like. Well, here's I always... my thing. Most of that, okay. you get diminishing returns with each read or whatever. What I try and do and help people now is tell the story they set out to tell. And it's like, if you right. told, you don't really need notes that right. much. I mean, maybe we have, have such an auteur spots, spirit. But... Yeah. Like, it's like, to me, the more unpolluted or the, you know, distilled version is the, the best, even if it's flawed and has all these warts and shit, it came from the mind of this, like, you know, whatever, this madman yeah, or whatever, you know what I mean? Or a woman. Focus person. testing um, and everything is essentially what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. You know, for all these notes. De- defangs it. Yeah. Just let it be what it is. You know, I mean, that's what a novel is. You should, I mean, they might have editors and stuff, of course, with some ideas and, you know, so that's basically maybe one read mm-hmm. from someone you trust. You yeah. Know? It's not a bad I, idea, but. Yeah. I definitely try to, you know, help people get their script to, you know, whatever it is their vision is. And but I'm also very honest with people. I'm I'm very hard to please, and I don't know if that's because I've read a lot, but I also have a high standard. Like again, those scripts that have that special sauce, I'm always looking for that. Cause you you mm-hmm. remember those, you feel those. Like mm-hmm. they bring something like evocative to the page, which is really hard to do, but uh, is also something I chase in my own writing. But I just tell people, I'm just like, you know, this. I, I think sometimes it's to our detriment to like pat all of our friends on the back or whatever to be yes. like, Oh, it's great. Right. It's just not, I was like, because while we want to encourage them, we want them also to remember we're, we're all in the business where we're competing not only against each other, but with like, you know, the people who've been doing this for 20 years, you're sometimes competing for those jobs or in TV and, and whatever. So, you know, I always tell people, I was like, look, here's the thing. If we're all great, let's just say we just make that thing. We're all great. We're all amazing. I was like, by definition, then we're just all average. And that's a problem in this business yeah, because I think you need to bar. be an outlier. Yeah. You need to be an outlier, whether that's like an At outlier. different, because, if not better or something. Yeah. You know? And that doesn't always right. mean like your scripts are like Aaron Sork or whoever you want to say that much better. Sometimes if you're just writing in a voice that no one else is or unique. topics, yeah. you just need to be unique and be your own thing. Cause that's what I've found. And again, I'm not saying that I am that, but like, I feel like in my TV career, I've gotten that sense of like, again, being pulled out of a pile of 200. I have nothing in common with the show in terms of my background, but clearly people want to meet me based or or they've read my script and they want to meet me. So it's like just by my writing, there's something they sense in there. So I always tell people to like, think of it that way. Like, look, take encouragement from your friends, but don't let it get to your head because you, it is a hard industry. Cause I think I I run into writers like, Oh, but I'm a good writer. My friends told me so much. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, Again, it's a really hard business. My mom loves business. my songs. So like, I exactly. yeah. Yeah. Shit, like, right. yeah, it's like is some of you are seeking validation though. That's part of the problem. Two things. Mm. First off, the validation yeah. is what they're really after. And secondly, yeah. it, it kind of does get watered down. Like you said, that original whatever voice you had. If you keep going out for rounds and notes to all these people, and you start workshopping it, eventually it's going to feel primitive, pretty normative because it's going to have been brought into whatever the standard definition of acceptable or marketable or saleable is you know what i mean a lot of yep. it's so much fear-based oh you can't do that no one's gonna buy that shit so pull it out or whatever it's like no that's all the goods man you iron my out best... all these wrinkles and the wrinkles meanwhile or what give it texture you know yeah. oh like... for sure my best samples that have done have served me best have i've done the least amount of drafts on the things i've rewritten yes. into like oblivion they're fine but they never like they just don't have that thing you know, that rawness. I think that's usually what I try to do in my first draft is like no outside sources, just like, what is my gut tell me yes. to write? And, and a lot of those scenes will stay intact to a sense because they are the most like raw and real. And then, you know, I can fix like structure and some of the like other mm-hmm. stuff rewriting, but there is that sense of just like you set out exactly what you meant to do on the page when you started. In talking great, to but. you, I'm not sure how to take this because Jay and I will also get a ton of meetings off of our writing, but then nothing goes anywhere after the meeting. So how should I take that? No, <laughs> like, you man, know, it's bro. actually the meeting that threw it off the Do rails. I have to buy a comb? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I I, well, I mean, you guys are like mostly, in, I mean, you guys have sold TV projects, but you guys are mostly, yes. do you consider yourself feature writers, which is like to me. We haven't written a feature game. in years. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, our last well, couple so- things have been uh, TV and novels and, made a movie and, novels, and shit you know but yeah. yeah right i think though we've been like, saying if we go back to anything side. maybe spec a feature a year or something yeah. but i don't know do you spec features at all now or are you just entrenched I, in tv well, and don't well, have time 
to, to my whole point about what I think about my content, I've never sold a, I've never sold a feature script. So there is also that, which Same. is like, how can I, so yes, I do. I try to write one every year. I did not last year, but um, I do because there is still an appeal about movies, which is like a beginning, middle and end in the hour and a half or whatever, in a way that TV sometimes just gets exhausting because you're just going on and on right. and on with the I've story. I've equated but... it from dating versus marriage. But TV is a commitment yeah. with a TV show with it. You can, you know, you're just dating and throwing people yeah, out and swiping right and swiping left on movies, you know. So, yeah, but I feel like I say I keep writing these features that no one wants to buy. And then I don't, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. Like, Have you thought about trying to make one? I mean, you write small little Southern Fried Neo Noir. You could pull that shit you know, off. I, I don't, me, myself, that, again, I, I think I spent so much time, like, literally just typing on a computer and understanding, like, how to write them after that even still to this day i'm like i don't even know where to like start in terms of like do i fund it myself i really don't want to direct at this point maybe like 10 years from now that's something i want to do but like You're so young you son of a bitch I, yeah. <laughs> we're so old and crusty <laughs> hey there's uh i i know that my uh, i think la loves the whole youth thing but i was like you know what there's there's something to be said about experience and living a life which like the 20 something year olds that i encountered la's like, infatuation with youth is a problem if you ask me and that's not just yeah. as an old guy no, it is, and it should not be because what is they're like, oh, I was still like partying and doing cocaine at your age. I'm like, well, I, again, I live by the southern standards, which like by your 30s, you should be like married, have a job, kids, and like coasting for the rest I of your life. You were so gonna I'm say, like, instead of cocaine, it's meth, <laughs> meth yeah, no, meth in the south, yeah, heroin, pills, right. whatever. But, um, no, I tell people, I was like, I'm on a timeline, like that's why I got started so early, you know, I started writing it like technically 17, but I was like 20. I was like, yeah, I felt like I had thing. to like. To like hurry and get to this point and they're like and you know so uh, i don't remember your original question jay but um... neither do i that happens often i <laughs> also have no idea how far we are from that rude buzzer sometimes it rescues oh, you if you feel feels like, like it's around like, the corner it's <laughs> like a minute or two but do you guys keep me... chatting after after the recording stops sure, yeah. like secret chatting <laughs> Right. Yeah, Jackson we've had like some go for hours, hours after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, and we considered doing an overtime, which we did do with the Dead Poets thing at the request. That of one is about two and a half hours long, but we had three cast members in the house. Say, yeah, had to know. keep it going. Yeah, that's an special. Hour case. is not enough. This is with forty-two subscribers, mind you. Hey, I don't know how we pulled that off, but people subscribe, please, because we're talking about doing a live reading, a la how they did with the uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High of dead post society with original cast and shit but you need a oh, thousand shit. subscribers to live stream so please subscribe you dicks it can happen <laughs> <laughs> that's our problem we alienate the people who would like us right. we insult them as that's we, what as happens we in the meetings we go in you fucking losers it's just one fucking click you assholes <laughs> i i so feel what, i feel that deep down <laughs> <laughs> so would this be your desert island movie if you were stuck on a desert island oh. what would your choice be if you had to pick one oh, movie man. that would be so hard for me i think i might would have, have a show i could do a show that's cheating oh yeah, is it has it? to be a movie it's gotta be one movie it watch it over movie. and over you have 30 seconds okay this is gonna come <laughs> out of nowhere but one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid i love bring it on all right <laughs> I can see how that would cheer you up in, on an island. You know, you know, you're depressed, you're lonely. It's, it's just one of those movies. It feels, it feels timeless, and it's not even in my brain. That's why I was like, "This is going to be a curveball." Because, like, look, I can watch, I, I can watch Heller How Are a lot, but I think at a certain point. But there is a sense of like on an island by yourself. Yeah, you're just, <laughs> yeah. How many times you can kill yourself? Shit, right? I would be depressed. Like, I think and that's the thing. The repetitiveness. You want something that's a little lighter, or like mm -hmm. you can like find moments. And um, no, that one. I don't know. I just remember watching as a teen, and like I think Jessica Bendinger does like whatever that fine line of like team comedy, but not being. I don't know. That movie just feels like it is kind of its own thing. And I thought about doing that for this. I was like, I'm, I'm gonna make that a suggestion guys. now for our little double features. Now bring it on. I'm not I'm not going to make yes. these guys talk about bringing it I don't know if I've on. even seen it. I don't My wife is watching I know I've watched her watching it. And there's been a couple moments where I'm like, all right, that I was a good satirical line. You know what I mean? I, I give. I can't man, even describe. If you look at my movie collection, it's all over the place. There's shit you would never imagine I'm into. <laughs> so if something's good, it's good. Right. I don't know if it's, I, it just, you know, well, there's a, nostalgia has a for, power. You know, yeah, yeah, nostalgia has exactly. a power too, which I think we could all agree. Mm, like absolutely. when you watch music movies it take you it takes Definitely. you back to a time and place that in that which you cannot write that into anything no matter how hard you try so something about it just takes me back to like my teens which mm. i think is all formative for all of us but i um, think that's part of the appeal of the southern 
milieu to us is the nostalgia fact that we grew up around those people and we haven't lived i mean we lived in boston we lived in milwaukee uh yeah Yeah, well we were in the in the south and then we got whisked away to the philippines for three years and that was definitely a culture shock you know i was 12 jay was uh what like eight eight? yeah Uh, wow spent a few years there so yeah it was definitely but i think it definitely helped inform us as writers you know that we that that age got to see something completely different than what we had grown up in. Up and again, the military is kind of Southern. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, even there, yeah, on well, the bases yeah. in the Philippines and stuff. Yeah, it's exactly. a shit kicker aspect to the military. So I sure. met, well, partly um, the reason people sign up is because they're from economically depressed, you know, areas exactly. or, you know, that's yes, very big in the South. Yeah. I call it. In, well, my dad, case in point, in order to go to college, he had to go to the military first. But yeah, exactly. um, I was on a show called Absentia on Amazon and we, um, it was an FBI show, but we had um, uh, this guy coming who was a consultant. He's like, <laughs>